Praise God. So we'll continue our discourse on the anatomy of effective prayers. It's not just enough for us to pray. The most important thing is for us to see answers and to get results in the place of prayers. Prayer is not meant to be a tradition. It's not meant to be a religious obligation. Prayer is not meant to be something we just engage in because, you know, as church people, you know. <laughs> um, prayer is not an end in itself. It is meant to be a means to an end. It is meant to be a means to an end. And so if we're going to be praying, we need to know what it takes to be effective in the place of prayers. And you cannot truly say your prayers are effective until you have seen the answers right to your prayers until you get to that point and you say you know what i prayed about this and i have seen the result in my life first samuel chapter 1 and verse 27 first samuel chapter 1 and verse 27 this is anna speaking we read this in church on sunday anna said for this child i prayed and the lord has given me my petition which i asked of him for this child I prayed, and the Lord has given me my petition, right, which I asked of him. I said in church on Sunday that a man who is not praying and who does not have anyone praying for him is of a truth a man to be pitied. You know, I read a book many years ago, and recently I just started to, you know, go through it again, the art of prayer by you know, Kennedy Hagen. And he mentioned the fact that oftentimes, as believers, you know, we expect that things should happen without our involvement. The, pray, the book was, um, you know, um, the first time it was published, it was titled The Art of Prayer. Um, sorry, it's currently titled The Art of Prayer. It was called The Prayer of Intercession or something like that. But over the years, the book was expanded, so the title was changed. And one of the things he said in that book is that sometimes believers just feel, you know, oh, you know, since God is in charge of the world and I'm a child of God, things should just happen. You know, and I've said this before and I'm going to say it again. Because, you know, as religious as that sounds, and sometimes many of us try to say things to try to, is we are, we are trying to be like Uza, we are trying to help God, you know. Uh, God, as it were, is not in control of the earth. I know that's going to get someone startled, like what's this guy saying tonight? <laughs> when God made the man, the Bible says in Genesis 1 and verse 26 to 28, it says, let us make man you know, after our own image, after our own, in our image and after our own likeness. He says, and let them have dominion. Let them have dominion. He says, over the earth. So when God made man, what God did was it transferred, as it were, the dominion of the earth. The legal right to make things happen on the earth, it transferred it to the devil. And you see, when man fell, when man disobeyed God, it was not just about, you know, the falling of man. It was not just about coming to the realization that he was now naked. What, what man did, right, was a transaction. It was a transaction that took place in the realm of the spirit. Because everything that God gave to man, right, when man disobeyed God, what happened was that man legally transferred everything to the devil. 
And that's why if you study 2 Corinthians, you know, chapter 4, especially in the fourth verse, the Bible refers to the devil as the God of this world. The God of this world. That was not said under the old covenant. It was said in the new covenant. The devil is the God of this world. And you see, someone might hear that and say, oh, so the devil is in control of my life. No. Is a is the God over those right that are not saved that have not come to the place of salvation? That's why the Bible tells us that when we give our lives to Christ, one of the things that happens is that we are translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's uh, into the kingdom of light, the kingdom of His dear Son. There is a translation. So even though we are in the world, right, we are not under the governing authority of the devil. That's why when you give your life to Christ, you don't just accept Jesus as your Savior. You must also accept Him as your Lord. And now that's the missing link in many people who claim to be Christians and you see that there is a dichotomy between what they profess and how they live. It is because they have, they have accepted Jesus as their savior. But what is much more important or maybe let me say equally important is to accept Jesus as your Lord. As your Lord. Your Lord simply means the one that controls, the one that guides, the one that instructs, the one that tells you what to do. For instance, in case you are not getting the illustration I'm giving. For instance, we have the American Embassy in Lagos, Nigeria. We have the UK Embassy, right? Even though they are in Nigeria, the laws that govern the Nigerian populace does not control what happens in the American Embassy. As a matter of fact, if you are a criminal, uh, maybe you just killed Lagos State President. Uh, sorry, Lagos State Governor, right? And you run into American Embassy. Ah? Uh, Everybody is looking for you. There is no Nigerian police that can follow you into that embassy. Because as far as global laws are concerned, that is no longer Nigeria. Except the, you know, the, the uh, a police force within that four walls of the embassy hand you over. They have no right. It now becomes a democratic process. It now becomes a negotiation. Oh, we want you to release this guy. <laughs> and if he's not an American citizen, ah. Uh, they talk. We have to fly in that. You have to, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Do you get that? So the same thing happens when we give our lives to Christ. Even though we are in the world where you accept Jesus, not just as your Savior, but also as your Lord. The laws that govern the earth, the laws that govern the world is not governing your life. But you see, you can know that theoretically and not walk in the reality of it. If you only accept Jesus as your Savior and not as your Lord. Now, many can say, oh, yes, I accepted him as my savior and my Lord. But it's not about what you tell us. It's about how you conduct your life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so one of the things that happens, right, is that when you give your life to Christ and you accept Jesus as your savior and as your Lord, right, you, uh, when you pray, one of the things that you are doing is that you are giving God the legal right to operate on the earth. Even though, as it were, man had given, has given that authority over to the devil. In the place of prayers, you can suspend the laws, right, of the demonic realm and say, you know what, in my own life, I'm not going to permit this. So everybody can be walking in poverty. Everybody can be saying, you know, there is famine in the land. But in that famine, you are experiencing abundance. Because you are operating in a different law. 
Are you hearing what I'm saying? And that is why you see, naturally, when you look at the forecast, the financial predictions, right? Some have said by December, uh, a, a dollar is going to be uh, 900 naira, whatever. When people hear that, say, ah, God forbid. You see, it's okay to say God forbid. But when I hear such things, it doesn't bother me. You know why? Because even though I'm a Nigerian, I'm first a kingdom citizen. I may be in Nigeria, but the laws that govern the finances of Nigeria does not affect my life. I'm not saying that because I'm a pastor. I'm saying that because I've subjected myself under a bigger and a higher authority. And that should be the experience of every child of God. That should be the experience. It simply means when I say I've subjected myself, it simply means whatever I'm instructed to do in my kingdom, I should do it. And so when I play my part, for instance, if you are uh, 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 in a place where things work and leadership functions right, as a taxpaying citizen, you can walk up to your government and say, we demand that this should happen. And they won't, you know, shoot tear gas in your direction. Because you are a legal paying citizen. Uh, you are a taxpaying citizen. So you have the legal right to place a demand and to even hold them accountable. So in the same way in the kingdom, when you obey the laws, the requirements of financial supplies and abundance, right? I've told that several times. In the kingdom, in case you don't know, let me say it for the obtained time. Saving is as important and as spiritual as tithing. So if you are tithing and you are not saving, and you are saying, ah, pastor, I said, you know, I operate under a higher law. Me too, I'm operating under. You better do what I'm doing. Or better see, you better do what the word says you should do. The Bible says there is treasure and oil in the dwelling of the wise. It says, but a foolish man spends everything. So when we speak words, we are not just speaking words. We are saying it because we have obeyed the demands. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So if everybody says, oh, you know, COVID, COVID, oh, third wave, fifth wave, 100th wave, whatever. Every day, the Bible says, you see, a, 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 a thousand might fall by your side and ten thousand by your other side. He said, but no evil shall come near you, neither shall any plague come near your house. You see, you see, it might even touch your body. You might be confirmed positive, but it cannot take your life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It can't. Provided you obey the requirements. What are one of those requirements? Serving God. Exodus 23 and verse 25, or maybe it's 25, 23. It says, you shall serve the Lord your God, and he shall bless your bread and water. It says, and take sickness away from the midst of you. So when you say, I cannot be sick, you better obey the demands of that scripture. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? And you say, how do you enforce what your right is? You do that in the place of prayers. You do that in the place of prayers. You do that in the place of prayers. And that's why I said prayer is not an end in itself. It is a means to an end. And you say, the remaining um, Sunday, second services and Wednesdays of this month, we're going to be talking about the principles that govern effective prayers. Right? And that's why on Sunday we dealt with the reasons why a lot of people's prayers are not answered. Right? And one of the things we said is, number one, prayers are unanswered because people contract their prayers. People contract their prayers. Many people, when they are going through stuffs, they go to somebody that can pray for them. Some even tell irresponsible, some irresponsible husbands, tell their wives, you know, God hears the prayers of women. So pray for our house. Irresponsible men. It is not scriptural. There is no place in the Bible where the Bible tells us that God hears the prayers of women more than that of men. It's not scriptural. It's tradition. And Jesus said, you through your tradition, you have made the word of God of no effect. Of no effect. 
Tradition can render God's word useless in your life. It can be working for others. You'll be wondering, why is the word not producing results? Because of tradition. Because of tradition. <laughs> tradition can hit revelation for lunch in your life. May that not be your experience in Jesus' name. So stop contracting your prayers. Stop looking for spiritual contractors. Huh? They tell you, don't worry, we fast on your behalf. Buy 15 yards of lace. Void lace. Dry lace. What a naked God that must be. A God that needs you to clothe him to answer your prayers. Must be a real naked God. A naked God. A naked one. <laughs> he said, buy 15 yards of lace. Buy two cows. Wow. That God must really be hungry. But because when people are desperate, they suspend their mind. Their mind stops working. He said, don't worry. <laughs> you know, about the one say, you know, uh, 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 you know, someone that I, I know, <laughs> you know, trusting God for, you know, a husband. Marital settlement. He said, you know what? Buy chairs in this church so that God will give you a seat in your husband's house. Wow. Amazing. If we want chairs, let's say let's give. We want to buy chairs in church. Don't use it as some manipulate people. You know? And I've come to realize that the people who do those manipulations, they really never see the money. I've come to discover they really never see it. You can only deceive people. You can deceive all of the people some of the time. And you can de deceive, you know, how does that happen now? You can deceive some of the people all of the time or deceive all of the people some of the time. But you can't deceive all of the people all of the time. One day people's eyes will clear. You know? If you want to do a project, oh, want to do this in church, you're applying towards this, fine. No, now you see. Come, stand up. <laughs> Praise God. Now, and that's what people experience when they run from pillar to post looking for what is not lost. Contracting prayers. So I want to get married, sir. Huh. But there are four guys talking to me. Which one should I pick? So what are their names? <laughs> I already know their names, huh? <laughs> Ayo, Dayo. <laughs> Eh? Which one again? Tayo. Bayo. So, there's confusion. So, when the oracle is speaking, you know those the oracle don't speak well very well. Just, ah, so, everything sounds like, hi, hi. It's just a married before. Them. <laughs> Praise God. So, when you contract your prayers, because you are not, like I said on Sunday, you are not a bastard. You are a child of God. God wants to hear you. He wants to have a conversation with you. No same parents as a child and tell somebody to serve as an intermediary between them and their child. No, you want your child to talk to you. So why do we think God is different? You see, understand this. God is the God of the whole world, but he's a father to the believer. He's not the father to the whole world. He's the God of the whole world, but he's the father to everyone that gives their life to him. That's why Jesus said that when you want to pray, he says, pray to the father. Don't just pray to God. And I'm still going to come to that. <laughs> Praise God. So we also say reason why prayers are not answered is secret sins. Secret sins. We live in a generation that has forgotten every or lost every consciousness and ideology of sin. There is still a thing called sin. I hear what I'm saying. There is still a thing called sin. And liberty in the church does not give you a right to live anyhow. No, 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 no. There is still a thing called hell for sinners. So the fact that you walk down the aisle, you were, you know, you were shedding tears, has not given you an automatic visa to heaven. Because we can. So about people say things like, you know, once saved is forever saved. That can never be true. 
It can never be true. Because Jesus said, I think it's Luke 9, 62. He said, he said, anybody that touches the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. If it is not possible for you to touch the plow and look back, and he was talking about those who have given their life, those who start a relationship with God, and turn against sin. If it's not possible to lose your salvation, Paul wouldn't have written concerning Demas, that Demas, having loved this present world, has forsaken me. He loved the world. He went back into the world. You can't say you are saved and you are living like a sinner and still claim to be saved. No, you are not. You can't claim to be saved and you are lying. You say, you say, you say, you say white lie. It's a white lie. Even God understands. Yes, God understands you are a liar. That's what he understands. He doesn't understand beyond that. Praise the Lord. God's standard is still his standard. The fact that thunder does not strike people immediately like the Old Testament does not mean there is still not a day of judgment. That's why David said, if I regard iniquity in my heart, he says, the Lord will not answer my prayers. It's black and white. It's in the scriptures. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord is not going to answer my prayers. So you can't live a life of sin and expect that same God whose standard you are consistently disobeying to hear you. Next, we also say prayers are not answered because of strife and malice. Strife and malice. And we see that in the life of Abraham. Abraham said to his cousin, um, his nephew, Lord, he said, so that there will be no strife between me and you, or between you and I. He said, don't worry, go where you want to go. And the guy, stupid guy, he was also choosing. The person that raised you, the person God used as a channel for your lifting, told you to choose anywhere, and you two, you are looking. Um, I think you should choose, I will choose this place. You can go to hell. You can go anywhere. <laughs> The Lord to behave like a typical young person in this generation. You know, that's how the average young person in this generation, we all know that is wrong. He said, choose. You know, how many of us have watched King of Boys? You are in charge. You don't need to lie. I watched you too. <laughs> so it's not a sin. You saw when that woman said, eat, said, no, we don't eat before our elders. It's not, you see, that's common sense. You don't even need to teach you Bible to know that. And maybe in the life of Lot, it was still parenting because who were his parents? So nobody taught him. Wrong focus is also one reason why prayers are unanswered. People focus on their problem. You see, let me tell you this. Focus on the God that can solve your problems, not on the problem. Because whatever you focus on gets magnified. The more you look at your problem, the bigger it gets. David did not look at the size of Goliath. He was thinking about the size of his God. Saul and the armies of Israel. Everybody will say, ah, this guy is too big. We can't bring him down. David said, this guy is so big, I can't miss him. There is no way my stone will not eat one part of This guy is a big target. Why? He was not looking at the size of the problem. He was looking at the size of his God. So stop putting your attention on your problem. Many of us, your attention is too much on your wallet, on your bank balance. You have checked it before. Stop checking it again. Checking it several times, you not put money there. You know, ah, oh, is he a mistake? You check it again. You check, and you are getting emails, especially if you use my bank, different emails, login, login. So when you see your email, login, login, login. It's not a lot. It's not there. It's just login, 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 login. Instead of focusing on that, just speak to the accounts. Jesus spoke to things and they had him. He spoke to the storm. He spoke to the tree. It simply means as human beings, the Bible says we are created in his image and in his likeness. We have authority to speak to things and to alter the events of life, to align with the way we want them to align. So when the storm was raging, Jesus did not say, ah, 
This storm is so big. Oh, why are you raging like this in the middle of the night? Everybody sleeping, you should be calm. Mm-mm. Peace be still. You don't say what you are saying. You say what you want to see. That's another reason why a lot of people's prayers are not answered. Negative confessions. Or maybe I should put it this way. Careless speech. Careless speech. See, what you say after prayer is as important as what you say during prayers. The average person doesn't understand that. So you have spent time praying. You do midnight prayer, midday prayer. But during the day, you meet your friends. They say, ah, Omo, this country, yeah, I do. Ah, Omo, yeah, I do. In fact, person will suffer, for, will, will try for this country. The person try, oh, na lock. This country, na lock. Na person will go there. Is that what you said in prayers? It is better to be quiet than say nonsense. It is better to be quiet than to negate your prayers. If what you are saying is not in alignment with what you have spent time praying about, keep quiet. You don't have to talk. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And some people even talk, 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 and you can see, oh, what do you think? Just smile. Just smile. Or frown. If I think frowning is better. You know, that was what Solomon said. Solomon said, an angry countenance drives away a backbiting tongue. It's in your Bible. So people are backbiting, they are gossiping, they look at you, hey, brother, what do you think? <laughs> they will get the message. Say, this one is not interested. Of course I'm not interested. My pastor told me many years ago, he said, what is gossip? He said, you know, gossip is useless information, right? He said, so when people see you, right, as a place where they can come to drop gossip, what you are seeing, they are simply telling you is that you are a trash can. A place where they can dump things they don't need. Before you can come up to me and be talking, but you will try. Maybe if you are older than me or I respect you, I can just be smiling as you are saying it. But I will never contribute to it. Never. Somebody hearing what I'm saying? Watch your speech. Your speech matters. The things coming out of your mouth matters. Ecclesiastes, the Bible says that you cannot say before the angel that what you have said is an error. He said, if you have thought foolishly, put your hands on your mouth. So, as you are thinking it, before it comes out of your mouth, cover your mouth. If you are not disciplined enough to keep your mouth short, you let your hand help you. Put the hand on your mouth. Say, Why are you covering your mouth? Is your mouth smelling? It's smelling. <laughs> because you know what is about to come out. It's unnecessary. So, many of us spend time in the place of prayers, but we negate it with our confessions, with our conversations during the day. You have said, I'm healed from the crown of my head to the soles of my feet. And I said, ah, why are you walking like this? He said, this leg is paining me. In fact, the doctor said, ah, if I'm not careful, they can cut it. Is that what you want? I remember, I can't remember, what was that? I think it was early last year when I had the accident. It never came out of my... The day the doctor said, when I was on cast, when they said they were going to put POP, they said the POP will stay there for three months. I said, never. I said it immediately, never. I wear POP for three months. How will I preach with POP? I said, the doctor said, ah, you better, this thing can become worse. So I said, never. My wife was there. You can't. The next, that thing disturbed my life for two days or maybe three days. I told them, remove it. So what did I do? Because some people will just act like that foolishly. They won't do anything else and they not cut their leg. <laughs> and I said, this God is a, <laughs> is a wicked God. That's why I like saying everything so you will get the full picture. So I'm confessing God's word. And I called my pastor because that is my prophet. And I believe in his words. Many of you, your pastor just says, well, you forget. Till now, I can still remember what he said. When the car that day, and he said, it will come the way it left and it will leave no trace behind. 
He said that of like two years ago. I never forgot. It was a phone conversation. Some of you we have talked, spoken to you directly on phone, sent email. You can't remember any. He said, it will come the way it will and it will leave no trace behind. In fact, he had even forgotten he said it. When he saw me three months later, he said, how's your leg? I said, my leg. I'd forgotten I had an accident. I'd forgotten. If I don't tell you I had an accident, do I walk like somebody that had an accident? That they said you will not walk for three, day, um, three months. I said, never. So you have prayed. Ah, God, you have, I know, I believe, I believe you are healing. I believe money is coming this week. And you are now saying the opposite. It is the opposite because the law of mathematics says plus times minus is what? Minus. So you have prayed positively in prayer. Your negative confession will cancel it. Offenses. I, I wanted to focus on this on Sunday. You know, I, I think I spent a, 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 um, quite some time on it. But let me just say some things about offense here. See, one of the things the devil wants you to do when you have prayed about something and it has not happened is he wants you to be offended towards God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He wants you to be offended. Offense is the devil's bait. He wants to catch you. <laughs> That's why I love the way Jesus puts it. He says, don't take offense. You can take it or drop it. You see, getting offended, <laughs> you see, Anytime something happens, the devil is not about that thing. It's not even about the person. It's about you. It's about you. That's why Jesus said offenses will come. It is a normal thing. It will come. But the wise will not take it. The wise will not take it. So how do you manage offenses? Number one, write this down. I didn't say this on Sunday. Number one, write this down. Accept it as a part of human existence. Like gravity. (laughs) You know, there is nothing you can do about gravity. Even if you don't like it, there is nothing you can do about it. So, you've never seen anybody complain about gravity, have you? In fact, this way we are even glued to the floor. We should be floating, floating. Nobody says that. Why? Because it is a part of our existence. So, you must accept it as being normal. So, when people offend you, when people wrong you, when you help somebody and they turn against you, <laughs> when you hear what somebody said about you, and you said, No, it cannot be the person. And you eventually found out that it is the person that said it. <laughs> Praise God. You see, when those things begin to happen, the natural thing was hey, me, me. You mean she said that? Me, me that even the shoe she wore on Sunday, I was the one that bought it for her. She said that the devil has caught you. He has gotten you. That's what he wants. So, you now get offended. You say, wow. <laughs> and with that, see, you can't have offense in your heart and receive answers to prayers. That was one of the secrets of Joseph. Joseph was never offended towards God. He was never offended towards man. That's why when his brother saw him, or when he saw his brother, he said, you sold me, God sent me. He said, oh, we are sorry. He said, forget about that. The Bible says he even gave them the best land in Egypt. You don't treat someone you are still offended towards that way. He should have given them the worst land. But the Bible says he gave them the best land, Goshen, the place where their livestock could survive. The place that was good for, you know, livestock farming. He gave them the choicest land. He didn't give them a desert land. Whether your cattle dies or not, at least I'm feeding you. You are surviving for the next seven years. You should still be grateful. The Bible says he gave them, even, you know, and the amazing thing is Joseph never told Pharaoh about it. Study your Bible. (laughs) <laughs> that's one of the ways you know you're offended what people do against you you start telling everybody 
And let me tell you, the more you talk about it, the more offended you become. A lot of people offend me. I really talk about it. Not because it's not a personality thing. It's out of understanding. Because the more you talk about it, the more it grows in your heart. The more, and the more people will now feed you with more revelation. That's true. Ah, that girl. This life, sha. And before you know it, they say, one needs to be careful how you help people. Before you know it, you start losing covenant standards. You stop helping people. You know, about people say things that, you know, Joseph could, shouldn't have told his brothers about his dream. If you don't tell anybody about your dream, how will you fulfill it? Any dream you can fulfill by yourself is too small. It cannot be a dream from God. Any dream God gives you will be too big for you to achieve by yourself. Say, Joseph should have shut up. He shouldn't have said anything. If he had not said anything, they would not have sold him into slavery. If they had not have sold him to slavery, he would not have gone to Egypt. And Egypt was the place of the fulfillment of his destiny. Offenses. So, number one, accept it as being normal. Number two, refuse to take things personal. Refuse to take things personal. Refuse to take things personal. Number three, understand that getting offended is a choice. It is always a choice. It is always a choice. Getting offended is a choice. It is not automatic. It is a choice. Number four, realize that no one can get you offended unless you allow them to. Unless you allow them to. Getting offended is an emotional response. You can either respond or react to offenses. Saying there is nothing you can do about it is saying that you have no control over yourself and your emotional states. That's what you're saying. And you say, no, I, I know. Because of, getting offended is an emotional response. So when you say, I can't do anything about it, you are simply saying that somebody else has control over your life. That's what it means. It means they can control you. <laughs> you know, there are some not so nice people that when they notice that their boss is someone that gets easily angry, they know what gets the boss angry. They know, <laughs> I've worked with some very strange people. They do things to deliberately get the man angry. He wants to get angry, we will make him angry. And the man will be getting angry. And I'll be wondering, this is my wife. You're doing this to yourself. <laughs> you know, there are some wives and husbands who like that. I know there are no people like that in Gateway. Praise the Lord. And nobody will be like that. Amen. Amen. So if you marry from this church, we pray you will not meet somebody like that. Amen. I said we pray because I cannot categorically tell you. <laughs> because even the devil appeared before God. Uh-huh. So a lot of people say, I met him in church. You can meet the devil in church. Aha, uh-huh. that's why you watch and pray. Uh-huh. In fact, the devil can be close to a pastor, but cannot be close to me anyway. <laughs> But so you can't say because I met somebody through pastor. You also have to open your eyes. <laughs> Shine your eyes. Praise God. Number five way of managing offense. Realize that God has a bigger and better plan. Always realize that God has a bigger and better plan. No matter what people do against you or do to you, always remind yourself God has a bigger and better plan. That's one of the secrets of Joseph. In spite of everything Potiphar's wife did and Potiphar. Let me tell you this. Potiphar himself knew that Joseph did not try to rape his wife. He knew. How did I know that he knew? Because of the prison where he put him. The prison he put him is a luxury prison. It's not the prison of the average slave. Remember that he was a slave. If Potiphar was convinced Joseph tried to do it, he would have killed him on the spot. He could have bought another slave. Because Joseph was a property. And that was where, you know, there are prisons and there are prisons. 
when they say they send the average politician or high so, somebody that has, has a high status in society to prison, I believe you know it's not your normal prison they send them to. Prison that police will still be attending to you. <laughs> prison that will be giving police instruction. <laughs> so there are prisons. So that's the kind of prison they sent him to. So Potiphar himself knew, but he didn't stand up for Joseph. Joseph should have been offended. Because the Bible says that um, Potiphar himself said to Joseph that since you came into my house, everything increased. And he handed over everything to him. Joseph would have said, see the man I helped. I multiplied your business. Nothing was missing in your house. Is this the best way to pay me back? He never said all those. He never said that. He never said that. Because he understood God had a bigger and a better plan. You see, if you don't have that understanding as a Christian that your life is in God's hands, that your times are in his hands, you will get easily offended. When you lose a job, you get offended. Can you imagine? After everything I've done in this place, I slaved for them, I invested my time, I invested. <laughs> That's why anything you do, the Bible tells us, do it as unto the Lord. So you are working under an organization. Don't serve there. You see, don't even go there to work. Go there to serve. See, there's an opportunity to serve God. I'm serving God through my boss. That's why one of the most, you see, greatest disservice you can do to yourself is to think that anything you are doing in the gateway, you are doing it for Pastor Akitola Samuel. You are missing it. Because I'm also serving here. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's why there are some things that, you know, I still always prefer to do. I want people to say, no, let me do it. I still see myself as a son. So if you think you are doing anything from you have missed it, we are all serving God together. Because let me tell you this, nobody gets rewarded for being a pastor. Nobody gets rewarded for being a first lady. Nobody gets rewarded for being an HOD. There is no reward for HOD. There is only reward for service. So if you are an HOD, you are a pastor, you are a whatever, you must look for the service that is connected to that title. Being a pastor is not just here, yeah, you come bring my water, you know, which water, room temperature or cold water, um, um, room temperature, on, um, in a cup, a mug, or a goblet. Um, that's not what it means. You know, this generation is amazing that when people think of pastor, it starts people are thinking of car, SUV, security, we move run. <laughs> are you a president or a pastor? What one do you want? If those things are hard, dead, fine. But if it never shows up, you know, I was listening to a man of God I respect so much some years, uh, uh, some months ago. And he said, you know, someone that, if I mention his name, many of us will know, you know. And he said when he was getting married, you know, in the 90s, he told his wife. Because he never imagined he was going to be wealthy. He said one of the ways he proposed to the wife is, can you marry a poor man? <laughs> many of you ladies have been telling you that, Poor man, I didn't consider this one to solve. He said, Can you marry a poor man? Because I'm going into ministry and we will be poor. He said, so The things that God does for him, he said, He's amazed that those things happened. So he didn't go to many people today that tell you they want to be. In fact, they've not called them pastor, they have already turned themselves to pastor. That's why I pity a lot of young people. You are still in school, they're already calling you pastor. Ha! Ah, no, 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 no. You don't understand life. You are in school. They are already washing your clothes. I saw those nonsense when I was in school. They were pastor. You, you yourself, you see, they are washing your clothes, carrying your Bible. In fact, some people, if they had the way, they will be carrying them to lecture room. Call students. They sent you to school together. We're going to be doing laundry, pastor's laundry. I don't understand. 
I may be wrong, but I know I'm right. <laughs> because many of those people that did those things and have realized, many, see, there's a way that, see, there are certain things I pray that may you not be exposed before your time. It's a strong prayer I just prayed for you. May you not be exposed before your time. There are some places that if you get exposed to before you have certain sense, covenant sense, it can destroy you. It's supposed to be a blessing, but it can end up being a curse. It can end up being a curse. That's why when you look at people who have never suffered, who have never understood lack, the way they treat people, the way they talk to people is as if, what is it? You, 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 you mean you don't have 10,000 in your account at your age? What are you doing with your life? You, you, don't, you don't have 10,000? Wow, what a wasted life. That's 10,000. Because they have never suffered. But a man that has gone through life, he sees hundreds of millions and says, this can only be God. But if you have not gone through it, you, you, you don't have a car? You don't have a car? Actually, a car? How much is a car? Because they've not gone through it. That's why the Bible says that we do not have a high priest that cannot, that cannot be taught by the feelings of our infirmities because he was tempted in every way. So that's why there is nothing we talk to Jesus about in the, to, uh, talk to Jesus about in the place of prayers that he doesn't understand. He has been through it. The Bible says he was tempted in every way but he never sinned. In the next 30 minutes, I have or 20 minutes, I want to talk to us on the most important things about the New Testament prayer. Because you and I, we operate under the New Testament, right? We know that, right? So I don't need to explain that. Number one thing you need to understand is this. If your prayer is going to be effective, under the New Covenant, you pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. That may sound simple, but write it down. You will understand what I mean. You pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. John chapter 16, verse 23 to 24. Let's have it on the screen. John chapter 16, verse 23 to 24. John chapter 16, verse 23 to 24. The Bible says, Jesus speaking here, he says, In that day you will ask me nothing. He says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whatsoever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Hitherto you have asked nothing in my name. He said, Ask, and you shall receive. That your joy may be full. Did you see that? So Jesus is telling us in the new covenant. You don't pray to me. He said, you will ask me nothing. This is Jesus speaking. He said, verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. He will give it to you. You ask the Father. Because Jesus himself, when he was on the earth, who did he ask? Was he asking himself? He asked the Father. In the garden of Gethsemane, who did he talk to? The Father. We pray to the Father. Let me tell you this. You know, this may sound like semantics, but you don't even pray as it were to God. Now, let me explain what I mean. I said that some moments ago. Because when you say God, which God are you talking about? There are different gods. There are different gods. But there is nobody serving gods, those small gods, idols, that refers to those gods as Father. Nobody does. So there is only one person referred to as Father, Heavenly Father, the creator of the universe. That's why you see, the Bible says that at a point when the, uh, uh, the Pharisees, when they wanted to stone Jesus, Jesus said, why do you want to stone me? He said, 
because of my miracles and everything. You know what they said? They said, because of miracles, we stone thee not. He said, but because you, making yourself equal with God, you are calling God your father. The Jews understood what that means. For you to say God is your father, it means we are saying that I came out of him. It simply means we are saying that I have God on the inside of me. He said that was heresy. So we need to deal with your heresy. But you and I understand that we are made in the image and likeness of God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Even God said in the scriptures, he said you are God's. He said, but because you don't know, you will die like one of the princes. You will die like, not us. He said, you will, sorry, he said, you will die like mere men. Not as mere men. He said, you will die like. It simply means you are not a mere man. Once you give your life to Christ and you come into a relationship with Jesus, right? You come into sonship. There's nothing like daughtership. Huh? A man or a woman, we are all sons in the covenant. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I don't have time to explain that tonight, but whether you are a man or a woman, huh? we don't reckon with any other one. He's only man or woman. Praise God. Mm-hmm. We are, this is not a politically correct church. They say, you know, there are places now, they say there are countries now, when you collect birth certificates, you can't write he or she. It's when the child grows, the child will now determine whether he is he or she. That's nonsense. Can never be right. The Bible says it made them male and female. Not male, female, and fill in the blank. So you pray to the father. You don't pray to Mary. There is no place in the Bible where anybody prays to Mary. Neither should you pray to angels. Angel Gabriel. Hear our prayer. You have just, just wasted your precious, irretrievable time. That time is gone. You have wasted it. You can't get it back. You've just wasted a portion of your life saying nonsense. There were times that angels appeared to people in the whole covenant. And they wanted to worship. Say, no, you can't. You can't do that. Because even in God's hierarchy, man is above angels. So, for instance, you want to pay house rent. You now go to your housemaid and say, please, I need house rent. That's when they wonder, oh God, what's happening? You they whine me. What's happening? That's what happens when you pray to angels. Angels are wondering, why you they whine me now? Like <laughs> Hebrews 1:14. It says, Are they not all ministering spirits sent to minister for the heirs of salvation? Not minister to. There is a difference. There is a difference between ministering to and ministering for. Ministering for simply means the at attention, waiting for your command. Waiting for what to do. That's why many people, their angels are so obese. Their angels can't move. They are too slow. Because they've never given their angels command. But they are waiting for the angels to command them. <laughs> Angel, what should I do? Angel is wondering, who is supposed to be commanding over here? Oh, I can make I go relax. So the, angel, the day you now come to the realization, your angel will have to go to the gym to schedule. <laughs> Praise God. That's just on a lighter note, right? So you don't pray to angels. You don't pray to Mary. Mary is, a, Mary is not supernatural. She's not a supernatural being. Mary, God simply borrowed a womb. It was a supernatural birth. You don't pray to her. There is nothing as it were special about Mary. Apart from the fact that she was a vessel. So we don't pray to Mary's statue. It's unscriptural. There is no place from Genesis to Revelation. Where anybody prays to Mary. So if you want your prayers to be effective, do it according to scriptural standard. Not according to your own standard. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's one of the things I spoke about on Sunday. Why many people's prayers are not answered? They are praying according to their own standard. 
according to their own standard. So some of those things may sound right, but the fact that it sounds right does not mean it is right. The only person Jesus prayed to himself was the Father. And that's what that, the Bible says that he came so that he might be a template for us. And that's why he himself said in John 16, verse 23 to 24, where we read earlier, it says, Verily, you ask me, it says, You will ask me nothing. You see what Jesus said there? He said, You will ask me nothing. Ask me nothing. Nothing means nothing. Don't pray to me. Jesus was saying that. He says, Whatsoever you need, ask the Father in my name. In my name simply means you are asking as if I am the one asking. That's why it says, let us come boldly. Hebrews 4 and verse 16. Let us come boldly to, uh, uh, to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace in the time of need. Walk confidently to your father because he's your father. Imagine I'm the one walking into the presence of the father because anytime you show up, I'm showing up with you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You know, Jesus is not just a spirit in heaven. I hope you know. I hope you know that Jesus has a body. You don't know. When he resurrected, he had a body. The Bible says that he told Thomas. Thomas didn't believe. He said, touch my hand. He felt it. You can't feel a spirit. And the Bible says he ascended in that same body. They saw him go up. You can't see a spirit. They saw him go up into heaven. And the Bible says the angel said, the same way you saw him go up, that's the same way he's going to come down. When it comes to rapture, the saints. So Jesus has a body in heaven. That's the topic for the guys. So you see, when you pray, in, you see, as far as God is concerned, because there is a Jesus, there is a representation for us. You will get it. Hmm. I read a story sometimes ago about an atheist. We never believe, you know, atheists are those who those those those, those who don't those who don't believe in God, right? So the guy was on his deathbed. <laughs> you know, when people fall into trouble, whatever they have believed that is not real, they throw it away. It's just like when there's turbulence in an aircraft. Huh? You will say sheikhs with long beard. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. <laughs> you wonder, Jesus, how come? Where did that come from? <laughs> you know, the atheist on his way said, Oh God, if there is a God, have mercy on my soul if I have a soul. <laughs> that guy is already going to win. <laughs> because even the prayer is wrong. <laughs> oh God, if there is a God. <laughs> so now you realize if there is a God. Well, some people say things like, you know, there cannot be a God. How can you tell me there is no intelligence being behind? It takes a mind that is not working to come up with that idea. It's a big bang theory. Can an explosion produce a Rolls Royce? So how can you say a big bang, an explosion created the universe? It's amazing. And people believe it. So the first most important thing is pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. Pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. Pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. Why did I say you don't pray to God? You look at Acts 17 verse 22 to 23. When you pray to God, you are not as it were. You are not talking to a specific personality because there are thousands of gods. Buddha is a god. Ah, So is it Buddha you are praying? Oh God, no. Heavenly Father. Father in the name of Jesus. That's why we, how we pray in the New Testament. That's why you notice we are deliberate about those choice of words in the gateway. It's not because we are trying to create traditions. It's because that's what Jesus said. So why don't you just follow what the Bible says? In Acts chapter 17 verse 22 to 23, the Bible says that um, Peter, um, Paul went to Mass Hill. Right? He has studied the people. He was trying to reach out to these folks. 
And look at what he said. He said, that the Bible says, Then Paul stood in the midst of mass ill and said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive in all things that you are too superstitious. For as I passed by, I beheld your devotions. You see, these guys were committed. He said, I found an altar with this description to the unknown God. So they were serving a God. But it's unknown. They were devoted. I was going to say, I saw your devotion. They had books on that God, but it was unknown. So Paul said, whom therefore you ignorantly worship, that's the same God I've come to talk to you about. You don't know him, but I know that God is a father. He doesn't just want to be your God, he wants to be your father. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Philippians 3 and verse 10, he says that I may know him and, and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. Right, so it's not just a God you know, it's not just a supreme being like some people, all this new age nonsense. He said, you know, um, uh, what, what are those words? Energy. You know, the universe. A vibration. I hope you guys have not been listening to them. This one, they are just giving me their names. <laughs> Number two, pray the word only and always. Pray the word only and always. Pray the what? The word only and always. Kenneth Hagin said that sometimes when he's about to pray about some things, he said, he might stay for weeks, sometimes months, and not pray about that thing until he finds the word that addresses that particular need. I've given us this illustration before. If I promise Mr. Bolu that tomorrow I will give you my wristwatch, Right? I didn't say his illustration. <laughs> I said, I'll give you my watch. If he sees me tomorrow, he says, Pastor, what about the watch? Even if I forgot, I said, Oh, there is one. But if I didn't make any promise, and he now showed up tomorrow, I said, Pastor, what about the watch? I said, Which watch? <laughs> Are you okay? <laughs> Which watch? Why? Because I'm not committed to what I've not promised. You see, there is nothing or there are very few things that get God's attention like his word. That's why when the tempter came to tempt Jesus in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus was the son of God. Jesus didn't say, Satan, I rebuke you. You see, many of us, we, we exercise too much emotions in the place of prayer. We think it's by those emotions that God says, ah! Come on, see emotion, see emotion, let me answer. Jesus did not dramatize. The gymnastics was not too much. Am I saying you should not, you know, vibrate in the place of prayers? Of course, it depends on what you are going through. You know, the way we want something is different. But let me tell you, let your vibration be word-based. When the tempter came, maybe we should have it. Matthew chapter 4. Let's look at it. Verse 3. Verse 3. Let's go to verse 3. The Bible says when the tempter came, the tempter talks about the devil, right? Uh, or is referring to the devil. The Bible says when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the son of God, command that these stones may be made bread. Verse 4. But he answered and said, It is what? It is what? It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Go to verse 5. Just keep going. The devil took him up into a holy city, the holy city, and set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said unto him, if you are the son of God, cast yourself down. This is the devil still speaking. What did the devil say? For even the devil knows what is written. So I've always told us, the devil is not as stupid as many of us think. The devil said, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you. Right? 
and in their hands they will bear you up so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus said unto him, It is what? Written. Again, thou shalt not tempt the Lord your God. Keep going. Again, the devil took him up into an exceeding high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them and said unto him, All these things will I give you if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Verse 11. That the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. Did you see that? Jesus kept saying, It is written. It is written. It is written. So anything, no matter how desperate your situation is, huh? the only thing that guarantees the response is that you are praying in line with God's word. And let me tell you this, there is nothing you are going through that you can't find the scripture for. The problem, that's why a lot of people, that's what we dealt with on Sunday. The reason people contract prayers out is because the responsibility of looking for the scriptures that, that addresses their situation, they don't want to accept that responsibility. I've seen some people before, they'll send me, Pastor, please send me scriptures. No, I can't be sending you scripture. I can do that, but it will not help you. What about this when I'm not available? Or you think I'll always be available? If I go for summer, I will switch off my phone. <laughs> so you will wait. What if the devil deals with you during summer? <laughs> Pastor will go for summer, so let's wait. So where does it? You see, don't forget the devil is not stupid. And thank God for technology. Google can help you. There are some see, you can just search scripture on finances and put KJV. Because scripture can mean Mormon scripture. But KJV, they don't have KJV. Huh? Put KJV, put the translation. Scriptures on marriage. Scriptures on whatever. Write it there. You will see several. He can give you 250. Uh-huh. That is where the work begins. You now sit down. You now be reading everyone one by one. No, this one is not the one. This one. Uh-huh. You see, the one that strikes you. Aha, uh-huh, this is it. This is it. You know how many scriptures they have on healing? But the one that resonated with my spirit when I was on campus, always suffering from malaria. I was a malaria candidate. In fact, I knew malaria was coming. If it doesn't show up, I will remind malaria. Ah, it is time. Oh, don't forget. But when I came across that scripture, Exodus 23, 25, you shall serve the Lord your God and he will bless you and take sickness. Ah, so I can't be serving God and be serving sickness. So, when I became a pastor, if my body begins to feel summer, I always look forward to towards Sunday. I said, devil, I will say, God, you know how we preach on Sunday. I can't be shaking and be preaching. I need to serve you on that altar. Before I know it, I wake up and it's gone. Why? Because I'm standing on a word. You just go, please heal me. God, heal me. You see, the devil wants you to be emotional. And what God responds to is not emotion. It is his word. So, like the illustration I gave earlier, if somebody walks up to me tomorrow and says, Pastor, the watch, the watch. That emotion cannot move me. The watch. Which watch? I'll first calm him down. Sit down. Maybe there is something wrong somewhere. So many of us are trying to be emotional with God. We are trying to blackmail him. It doesn't work. What works is it is written. It is written. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It is written. So never forget that. Pray the word only and pray the word always. Pray the word only and pray the word always. So every time you are going through something, you must find the scripture you are standing on. Find the scripture and stand on it. What does that mean by stand on it? Does that mean you put your Bible on the floor and you stand on the Bible? No. It simply means you insist on that word becoming a reality in your life. You insist. 
You insist. You keep cutting. And you see, let me tell you this. I learned this from Kenneth Copeland. He said, at a point, God had to correct him to stop quoting scriptures offhand. Many of you, and I realize that happened to me too sometimes. Some scriptures we have known, you now stop reading it. You will realize that one day you will quote it and you will misquote it. Or maybe you will quote the wrong reference. Has it happened to anybody before? So he said, you, he said God told him, every time, he said, open the word and look at it. My Bible, you see, if you see the Bible I used on campus, I can't take it out. Because that was my growth season. I grew extremely. So that's why when I see students, what is, many students, what they are spending their time on nowadays. Ah! It will take God for them to catch up later in life. Because let me tell you, the time when you are on campus, you will never get that time of your life again. Because when you are on campus, you are not thinking of house rent. Is somebody paying your house rent? You are not thinking of food. Is somebody that is paying your food? No! But when you want to pray, you go, ah, God, I need to call that client too. But Father, you round up the prayer. You call clients. You can't have that time again. So that time, I will pick my Bible. People will go home for holiday. I will stay back in school. Many of the scriptures I quote today, that was when I... It's not that I crammed them. It's not that I said, Luke 10, 19, Luke 10, 19, Luke 10, 19, Luke 10, 19, Luke 10, 19. I'll now close it. Luke 10, 19. Luke 10. No, that's not... Because I... See, how it stuck in my spirit was that I prayed with them over and over. Reading and praying with them. Reading and praying with them. To the point that they were engraved in my spirit. That was when I caught Proverbs 4 and verse 18. The path of a just mind is as a shining light that shines more and more onto the perfect day. He registered in my child. At that point, I said, no, 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 no. Every year must get better than the previous years. And that has always been my experience. Even there is no devil that can stop it. Even if others says amen. And most say, especially everybody to say amen. Because it's not about the amen. People can say amen for you, but if you are not standing on the word, nothing will happen. So pray the word always. Pray the word always. Pray the word always. Number three, believe when you pray. Believe when you pray. Believe when you pray. Many people pray, but they don't even believe in what they themselves are praying about. To many people, it's just a religious exercise. It's just a religious exercise. When you pray, do you believe that what you are praying is going to happen? I remember one of my experiences when I was on campus. During those season of malaria, because I believe it was an attack anyway. Because, you know, the, I don't know if anybody experienced malaria that you'll be shaking. As a real... <laughs> Shaky, shaky daddy. How many of us remember the adverts? <laughs> it's vibrating seriously. So that day, please don't try it too, if your faith has not gotten to that level. I locked the door and I said, God, if you don't heal me, I'd rather die in this room. And I kept praying in the Holy Ghost. I was reading that scripture. Reading out, read that. I'll say it in my understanding. Praying the Holy Ghost. I did that for over three hours. I can't remember for how long. At the point, I broke into sweat. And it was gone. I say, hey, so this is it. You see, let me tell you, you only need to taste it once. One, see, the moment you taste it once, and it comes, say, ah, devil, I don't catch you. So when it happened again, this time around, I did the same thing, but it didn't take me three hours. Now, it doesn't have to take me five minutes. In fact, there are times when I feel symptoms in my body, I don't even pray. I just declare the word. But I didn't start out that way. I just declare the word and I forget about it. You see, there is a level you get to in your spiritual work that one of the things the devil hates the most is for you to ignore him. That is, you don't even give thought to what is sent in your way. Because let me tell you, symptoms, challenges, they are invitation cards. 
So he's sending it your way. Do you want to receive it or do you want to accept it? How do you receive it? By focusing on it and by declaring it. I'm broke. He has gotten you. So what he wanted was for you to say it. The fact that you don't have money in your bank account does not mean you are broke. For instance, most likely you don't have cash in your pocket here. Right? And you may have millions in your account. But somebody comes to you and say, you don't have money. What will you say? There is no money in your pocket. You don't have money. But you know you have money. And that money is spiritual. What is spiritual? Don't try to make it too big. Spiritual is anything you can't touch. Anything you can't see. Do you get what I'm saying? So the same way, the way you have money in a bank that is not cash, you can't see, but you can see figure. The same way, don't look at figure, look at the word. The Lord shall supply all my need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. The same way you can look at your bank balance, even though you can't see the cash and you just see number. Aha! Second Corinthians is also a number. Second Corinthians 8, 9. Uh-huh. Just look at it and keep declaring it. That's how to pray. I hear one of them say, God, God, don't let me chase them out of Don't let them chase us out of our house. So, hey, rent is about to be due. God, most times, people are always chased out of the house with those kind of prayers. You see, there is a level you can be praying that kind of prayers and God will hear because you are still a baby Christian. But there is a level at which you will pray those prayers and God will not answer. Why? Because he expects you to have grown beyond that. That's why when a baby shows up and a baby does, whether the baby has manners or not, when a baby asks for something, you just say, he's a baby. Isn't it? If a baby, if a three or four year old walks up to you, maybe you are eating and the baby dips his hand. Even if the parents wants to say, stop that, he say, I leave him, leave him, he's still a baby. Because he's still a baby. A 10 year old cannot, I cannot be eating. And a 10 year old walks up to me and dips his hand. I will follow it up with a slap. Because you should know better. If they have not taught you, let me teach you. Do you understand what I'm saying? Same thing in the realm of the spirit. Some of us, say, uh, some of us might have the experience and say, uh, what pastor is saying is not true, Jack. Yesterday I cried to God. God, God, don't leave me like this. Don't leave me like this. And somebody gave me money. You are still a baby. A time will come in your life that will no longer work. I hear what I'm saying. Jesus is not saying, God, God, God. You see, Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane. He was going through challenges. He was about to say, ah, I wish this cup. He remembered. He said, not my will. What is will? Word. His will, God's word is his will. He said, not my will, but yours be done. What he remembered was what God had said. So let me tell you, if you see, you can have your prayers answered 100% of the time. What you need to do is find out the promise of God concerning that situation. Don't just be praying like a stray bullet. Just anyone that meets, you know, anyone that eats. Let's <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. Number four. So, okay, sorry. What do you need to believe? Believe God has had you. Believe God has heard you. Number two, believe God's ears are not dull of hearing. Believe God hears you. First John 5, 14 to 15. He says, now this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions. We have asked of him. So believe that God is hearing you. The way some people pray is as if they are not even sure. God, are you hearing? <laughs> God is not too distracted and he's not too busy to hear you. If you are his child. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Number four. Pray in the spirit more than you pray in your understanding. Hmm. Pray in the spirit. Under the new covenant. Pray in the spirit more than you pray in your understanding. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's why Jesus said in Mark 16. Right? I think verse 
17 thereabout. I'm not sure if media can help me with that. It says, these signs will follow them that believe on me. It says, they will cast out devils, right? All right, I'm correct. It says, in my name, they shall cast out devils. It says, and they shall speak with new tongues. They shall speak with new tongues. It is a sign that should follow you. Why did Jesus prioritize praying in tongues? Because he knew that in the new covenant, you will need it. Jesus himself prayed in tongues when he was on the cross. Oh, pastor, did he? Because there are some people say Jesus never spoke in tongues. He did. He did. When he was on the cross, the Bible says that, you know, it was in anguish. said, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. And the Bible, says, the Bible says that the people around said he was calling for Elijah. If he was saying the language they understood, if he was saying Hebrew, they wouldn't have thought that what he was calling for was Elijah. And the Bible told us that the meaning of what he said was, my father, my father, why have you forsaken me? You see that again? He was talking to the father. My father, my father, why have you forsaken me? So Jesus spoke in tongues. He did. He did. So you see, and I've told us this, you see, it's a gift under the new covenant. Some people say, no, all this speaking in tongues, tell me I don't like it. It is a gift and it is rude for you to reject a gift. There are places I go to. Maybe I decide not to eat. But because of the honor that I have for those people, if they say, come and eat, I can't say I'm not eating. Say, so, thank you. Because it is rude in that kind of an environment to say you are not eating. They can even accept it as an insult. <laughs> I remember a story, you know. Someone very close to the bishop, you know, who I was very close to many years ago, you know, shared an experience with me. You know, Bishop is his mentor. So he said one day he went to visit Bishop and Bishop was having a meeting with a lot of his protégés. So this guy also came, you know, who was just getting close to the Bishop. And Bishop was going to have lunch with all his protégés. <laughs> so, <laughs> anytime I remember that story, I just laugh. You know, and Bishop said, oh, so let's have lunch. The guy said, I'm fasting. Bishop said, come and eat lunch. He said, I'm fasting. Bishop said, ah, no problem. I don't want to break your fast. And so they told him to stay with the drivers. He told him to stay outside. So when they started eating, the bishop said, all the things he has been fasting for, I shall share on this table. What is, what is fasting? God has revealed to him what he was fasting for. He said, I shall share at this table. And he was still fasting. You are fasting. A prophet said, come and eat. You are saying you are fasting. <laughs> so in the same way, some of us, eh, we still have a problem with speaking in tongues. Say, ah, in that thing, I don't understand it. Do you understand that your phone makes calls? There is no wire connecting your phone to that of the phone of your parents. And you are talking to them. There are so many things. You just press a button. Your TV comes on. Do you understand it? Huh? Where I come from, you say, Basi, Jelofe, Monton, Juno, Radio. What that simply means? Somebody that wants to spoil a radio. That wants to find out what is sounding in the radio. So you say, ah! This sound is sounding, sounding, sounding. You now pick screwdriver. You unscrew, unscrew, unscrew. Who is talking inside this thing? Same way, you might not understand what praying in tongues is. You might not have the full understanding, but that does not mean you reject it. Because you don't understand how TV works, yet you are watching TV. So it's a lie and the deception of the devil. Because let me tell you this, 1 Corinthians, let's go there, chapter 14 and verse 2. I want everybody to see this. This is why the devil brings those thoughts into your heart. See, this praying in tongues, you yourself, do you understand what you are saying? Kalu, 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 are you... <laughs> For he that speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not unto men but unto God, for no man understands him, albeit in the spirit he speaks mysteries. Verse 4. Go to verse 4. Okay, buddy, just go to verse 4. Skip verse 3. He says that speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself, but he that prophesies edifies the church. So you see what happened there in verse 2. The Bible says he's not speaking unto men, it says nobody understands him because what he's saying is a direct communication between the spirit and God. 
So even the devil does not understand what you are saying. So what the devil wants to do is, he wants to keep you at the level where he can understand what you are saying. How can you indict a prayer you don't understand? So he wants to keep you at the level of reasoning. He wants to keep you at the level whereby he can hear what you're saying. But when you are praying in the Holy Ghost, he doesn't understand. He doesn't understand. He doesn't understand. That's what the Bible says in Isaiah 28 and verse 11. Isaiah saw these days ahead. And it says that with stammering lips and an unknown tongue, God will speak to his people. With stammering lips. He was talking about tongues. Because sometimes when you are praying in tongues, it seems as if you are just stammering. Isaiah saw it. He saw it ahead. He did not know how to explain it. But he called it stammering lips. And an unknown tongue. He said God will speak to his people. Because one of the things that also happens when you pray a lot in tongues. Is that your spirit man becomes sensitive to hear what God is saying. To hear what God is saying. Sometimes when I want to take some decisions. Make some decisions when I want to take certain steps. And I'm not clear. I'm not sure about what to do. I don't go, God for me. Ah God show me. No. Pray in the spirit. A lot. And be calm. You might just even be about your day's business. And the, the way will just appear. It will just become so clear in your spirit. This is what to do. This is what to do. And last but not the least. Don't stop praying until you see physical manifestations. Don't stop praying until you physical, see physical manifestations. I've had people say things like, once you pray once, uh, if you have faith, you won't pray about it again. Wow. Jesus did not have faith then. Because in the garden of Gethsemane, the Bible says Jesus prayed time, three times. Saying the same thing. Daniel prayed 21 days for the same thing. Elijah prayed seven times for the same thing. Naaman had to take his bath seven times for him to be cured of leprosy. Why? Why must we do it more than once? I don't know. When we see God, we'll be asking. Me too, I don't know. But I know that you don't stop praying until you see the manifestation. You don't stop praying. The Bible says that when Elijah prayed the first time, there was no... Elijah was the one God had already told you. A rain is coming. Abundance of rain is coming. This rain is going to be so great. He told Ahab. Ahab was going to eat. And that's the problem with some of us. You hear prophecy. After prophecy, you are celebrating. That's how canal people behave. And that's why many times people don't see the manifestation of prophecies in their life. The Bible says that Elijah, having told the prophecy, he went into the place of prayers and prayed the prophecy into existence. He wasn't jumping up and down. I hear what I'm saying. That's why at the beginning of every year and the middle of the year, right, and the first three days of the month, we spend it in the place of prayers and fasting. It's deliberate. Then like, ah, it's a, you can hear enlargement, hear better days, hear those things. And your reality may be far from it. That's why you must keep praying it. You must insist. You must stand on it. You see, you keep praying it until it becomes your reality. Father, it is written. You have said in your word. You have said it is my season of better days. Your word says in Ezekiel 36 and verse 11, I will do better unto you than at your beginning. That is how to pray. Don't be crying in the place of prayer. Outgrow that. God sees our tears. Sometimes he responds to it. I hear what I'm saying. But one thing you are sure he responds to all of the time is his word. Is his word. Because what is written cannot be unwritten. He has said it. He cannot unsay it. It is written. You have said in Ezekiel. So when you say, you have said. When I tell you, I say, Bolu, you said. When somebody say, you said. There is no point of escape again. Because you said it. And I say, I didn't say it. And I show you a record. Well, you're not the one that said it here. So if God say, I didn't say it, which he can't say. We have his word. Ah, God, you said. That's one of the reasons why you need to open your Bible. Because you can't say, you know, you can't be praying and say, you know, pastor said in church that it's our better days. Uh-uh. You can't be saying that. 
Open your Bible. That's why some of these scriptures, as we are saying it, write it down. You know, before I used to preach with bullet points. I had to stop it because I thought, I realized it was not helping a lot of people. See the scripture more than the bullet points. I would rather you don't get all the points, but you get all the scriptures. I hear what I'm saying. Write the scriptures. Get home. Some of those scriptures, open it. Pray with it. Mark it in your Bible. Get a printed Bible. If you don't have the paper Bible, you are still joking. And then this day, everything is, is digital. Digital. You will mark digital, have you? And people say, yes, you can highlight. Continue. Who am I to argue with you? I'm old school. But old school has helped me. And let me tell you, there is nobody that I see that is really serious that doesn't have the printed Bible. You can't be studying. You are studying with your phone. WhatsApp comes in. Broom, broom. You have checked WhatsApp for 15 minutes. You just remember, ah, I was reading Bible. Before you know it, your quiet time is messed up. I think we should even talk about quiet time this month. Many people don't understand in this generation don't have an idea of what quiet time is. Your prayer cannot be limited to church. You can't only be praying in church. There must be a time that you have allotted between yourself and God. Between yourself and God. That today, if you see, and see, quiet time is not four hours. It's not five hours. If you say you are going to do quiet time for five hours, it will never be consistent. It will never be consistent. 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. You can decide some days, go beyond that. But say, at least minimum every day, I will spend 20 minutes with God. Minimum every day. Anybody can do that. That's how to grow. That's how to grow. When I see a lot of prayers, a lot of way believers conduct themselves in the place of prayers in this age and time, especially now in the environment, I know people are not growing. That's why people are easily deceived. That's why people are easily deceived. Hallelujah. So you don't stop praying until you see manifestations. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I'm going to round up with the story of Elisha. Elisha, was it Elisha or Elijah? I think it was Elisha. Right? Sent his servant. Right? To take his rod. The woman, right, that had been a blessing to his ministry, lost her son. And he said, okay, take my rod, put it on the boy. The boy will come back to life. And the boy didn't come back to life. It was Elijah. And Elijah said, he didn't. Obviously, the guy's that was not right. That's a story for another day. But the Bible says Elijah went there and laid on the boy. It, he was a boy, not a girl. A boy. You understand what I'm saying? Aha. Uh-huh. Because in this age and time, there are so many things. And those things now, they're already getting into Nigeria gradually. And you see something some African pastors do, I'm wondering. Is that when people enter church, they suspend their brain? So the Bible says the first time. The boy didn't come back to life. The second time. The Bible, he did it the third time. Mighty Elijah. Some things might not happen the moment you pray about it once. But you don't stop praying about it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You don't stop praying about it. You stay in that place. You stay in that place. You keep praying. You keep insisting. This thing must become my reality. Is somebody ready to do that tonight? Can we rise up on our faith?